My name is Doug, like my wife just said, and I don't know if you were here last Sunday or not, but it was epic. There were like 800 plus people who joined us to worship Jesus and make much of him. It was amazing. One of the things I love about last Sunday is there were literally dozens of you guys who volunteered. You showed up early or stayed late or ran sound and projection or played instruments or passed out programs or greeted people or taught children or made coffee and donuts. And all around, you were amazing. It felt like this big family celebration and a bunch of our friends came. And that's how I love church. Maybe you were one of those friends who came last Sunday or maybe this Sunday is your first time here Either way, we're thrilled that you're here. We believe that you matter to God and you matter to us. And so we're so glad you're here. This Sunday morning is a great time to jump in because we're beginning a brand new series of messages where we're going to be tracking through a book of the Bible. Around City Light, we tend to just preach through books of the Bible. We really believe that this book right here is living. (laughs) It is active. It's powerful and still real for us today. And this morning, we're going to begin a journey through the book of Galatians. It's a little book kind of towards the back of your Bible, probably only takes up two, three, four pages in your Bible, but it is loaded with Jesus. So let me kind of set the book up for us using some photos. This first one here, those are my daughter's. And I might be biased, but I think they are absolutely gorgeous. Man, they've got me wrapped around their collective finger, and my wife has to remind me and kind of show me how they are manipulating me. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. I'm all right. Let me show you another one. This is my oldest. Um, He's a legit young man. He loves Jesus and buys me coffee mugs that joke about farting. What more could a dad ask for, right? Um, And then this last one, this is our youngest. Of course, he's a goofball. Um, He doesn't sleep well, but he loves to snuggle, which might be the best part of life. I love my children, and I would do anything for them. I would be devastated if something were to happen to them. My heart is bonded to them. I mean, they're like my flesh and blood. I'd do anything for them, right? They're my kids. And sometimes when I see those photos, I don't only feel love for my children, but I feel protective of my children. Like, I've had this thought, and it might get me arrested, but if someone ever did something to one of my kids, then prison time just might be worth it, you know? like to get back. Have you ever had one of those thoughts, you mama bears out there? Or you dads with concealed carries who want to... You've had some thoughts. I know, man, if something ever happened to one of my children, I'd do anything and everything in my power to get them back and heal them up. And that feeling, that emotion is exactly why Galatians was written. You see, there's this guy in the Bible, his name is Paul. And Paul planted a bunch of churches, and some of those churches were in a geographic region called Galatia. And Paul really related to those churches like they were his children, his kids. In fact, in Galatians 4 verse 19, he calls them my children. 
for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. He's saying, you're my children. I love you and I will protect you. Then in Galatians 1 verse 7, we find that there are some who trouble you. There's these troublers who want to distort the gospel of Christ. And chapter 4 verse 17 says that these troublers want to make much of you, but for no good reason, they want to shut you out. So there's these troublers who are messing with Paul's kids, these churches in Galatia. Paul's love gets protective, and he writes them this letter of Galatians that you have open in front of you. This is Galatians. And I believe that Galatians still matters to us today. Because the problems that were happening in Galatia and the truths in this book are timeless. We still have troublers. Troublers that want to come at us and attack us both from within and from without. And they want to creep in and then crowd out Jesus. These troublers are things like religion, rules, legalism, trying harder, doing better, all things that at first they seem really nice and right, but in the end they kill our joy. So whether you are not yet a follower of Jesus, but you've kind of been nicked up and beat up by religion or religious people, or maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, but you've discovered the pain of performance and legalism, I believe that Galatians has a message for you. Galatians has a word for you, something that you can take home and chew on and be changed by. So let's jump into it right at the very beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1 reads like this, Paul, an apostle. Apostle is just a big Bible word for someone who has seen Jesus with their eyes and been sent by God. So Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man. But through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Now, it seems like a simple introduction, right? But already, right out of the gate, Paul is intentionally making a case to tell all the people who are going to be reading his letter that what he's about to say isn't his idea. It isn't his thing or his version, but instead it is God's. Paul is saying that he became a leader in the church, not because he was elected to that post or bought his way into office, but Paul is a leader because God called him. This is God's thing, not man's thing. And then in verse 3, Paul begins to lay out the gospel. And when I say gospel, I simply mean good news. You see, this Bible is actually more like a library. It has 66 books that were written over the span of nearly 2,000 years by 40 different writers on three different continents. But this book, this library, has one summary message, one primary point that it is making, and that message is called the gospel. Last Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, Eric highlighted the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is like... The climax, right? It's the highlight of the gospel. This Sunday, and as we track through Galatians, we're going to get a fuller picture of this gospel. And Paul lays it out here, the summary message of the Bible, beginning in verse 3. He says, grace to you. Now, just pause right there. 
We're only three words into this gospel, and it's already good, isn't it? Don't you just love that the summary message of the Bible, the gospel begins with grace to you. Have you ever wondered what God wants for your life? Here it is, grace to you. Have you ever wondered what God feels about you? Here it is, grace to you. At the core of God's heart and the forefront of his mind is grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 4 continues and tells us how it's possible for God to give us grace. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. You see, God's heart is grace to you, but our problem is we've sinned. We've actually pushed God away, tried to do things on our own terms, and make life all about us. And that attitude of me first, my way, and all of the decisions and actions that flow from it, the Bible calls sin. Sin is a big deal to God. He won't play with it or ignore it or pass it over. And sin creates this separation between us and God and His grace. It pushes us apart. It separates us. We're over here separated from God and his grace. So what does Jesus do? Jesus steps in and he gives himself for us. There is a gulf of separation between us and God, a gulf that none of us could cover, none of us could cross, no amount of good intentions or good deeds could get us from us in ourselves over to God and his grace. So Jesus, he steps in and he lives an absolutely sinless life on the earth and then he dies. He gives himself for us. The sinless one took on my sin. The righteous one took on our wrongs. The obedient one took on our disobedience, and he did that for us in our place. God's heart is grace to you, but our sin gets in the way, so Jesus steps in and dies for our sins. Then when we put our faith in Jesus, when we just own it, yeah, we've sinned, I'll be honest about that, we've sinned, but I'm going to look away from me and my sin, and instead look to Jesus. When we put our faith in Jesus, he delivers us from this present evil age. He rescues us, saves us, he plucks us up out of this present evil age. This present evil age just refers to the sin that is in us and the sin that is around us. It's the sinking weight of Satan and death and destruction and all these things that come with sin. So Jesus steps in to forgive us of our sin and then rescue us, deliver us from the present evil age and take us to God. Maybe a story will help. About a year ago, uh, a bunch of us pastors in the City Light family of churches, we went on a getaway or a retreat, and we stayed at this place that had a man-made pond, which sounds kind of cool. It had a little fountain going in it and everything, but it was strange because this pond was blue. It was like clearly saturated with chemicals, and we'd like put our toe in it, and it was freezing cold. 
So it's man-made, it's blue, saturated with chemicals, and freezing cold. But of course, churches, all guys on the trip, we devised a relay race, a competition between the churches to see who could get bragging rights for the next year. Part of the relay race was you had to swim around the man-made blue, icy cold, chemically saturated pond, okay? Now my team, um, which I should say Eric was on the team, just so you know, Everybody else on my team refused to swim in the pond, okay? They said, no, I can't do that. I said, but guys, listen, I haven't swam in like 15 years. I've been spending the last 15 years in kiddie pools, okay? I haven't been swimming. I never was a good swimmer in the first place. Guys, I might drown. Did they listen to me? Nope. Did they care when I said I might drown? Nope. But listen, I'm humble and I want to be like Jesus. So I said, my yes is on the table. I'll make the sacrifice. I'll do it. So anyways, Eric does his five push-ups or whatever he was supposed to do. I don't even know. (laughs) Tags me, and I go running, and I leap into the pond, and it is cold. It is freezing cold. And so my muscles immediately tense up, and I'm trying to swim like I ever knew how to in the first place. I'm swimming. The fountain's like shooting all this chemically saturated water down on me. And then next, all these guys start swimming by me. They're splashing water all over the place, including into my mouth. I'm inhaling blue chemicals by the cupful, and it's not going well. I'm like flailing, and pretty soon I have this thought, I might drown here while they finish their relay race. Like, it's going to be too late. Before they're done with the race, I'm going to be at the bottom of the man-made, chemically saturated, blue, freezing cold pond. Thankfully, there was a ladder close by, so I did the backstroke, felt ashamed, but I got to the ladder, okay? But the picture of Galatians doesn't have a ladder close by, (laughs) The picture of Galatians is me out in the middle of the ocean, and my muscles are tensed up, and I can't swim, and I'm taking on water into my lungs. I'm inhaling water. My arms are flailing, and I'm barely staying afloat, and I'm about to go under. That's the picture of Galatians. But then, then a boat shows up. Jesus is in that boat. He leaps out into the water where I'm drowning, bears me up in his strength, swims and carries me onto the safety of the boat, and he saves me. That is the gospel. That is the summary message of the Bible. God's heart is grace to you, but we have sinned and gotten lost in this present evil age. But then Jesus shows up and he saves us by redeeming and rescuing us. Jesus saves us. You might boil it down to this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals saved. Jesus plus nothing equals accepted by God. And around City Light, we love this gospel. We believe it, we preach it, we sing it, we share it. We believe that this gospel isn't just the ABCs of following Jesus, but it is the A to Z of following Jesus. We believe that this gospel doesn't just give you a free ticket to get into heaven, though it does that, and that is good and true, but this gospel changes our lives today and tomorrow and maybe even Tuesday. Do you remember, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you remember when you first believed this gospel? Do you remember when you first embraced Jesus? Or maybe better stated, when Jesus first embraced you, when he showed up and he saved you. I remember, I was six years old, 
sitting in the living room of my childhood home, and my mom and my brother, my older brother, they were having a conversation about hell. And my mom was just telling us what the Bible said about hell. She said, it's a place that exists for all of eternity, and it's for people who don't put their faith in Jesus alone. She said that hell is a place of torture and torment. It's hot, and it's eternal separation from the goodness and the presence of God. And my mom wasn't trying to make it sound any worse or better than what the Bible just clearly taught. And my brother and I both had the same reaction. Yikes! (laughs) We don't want to go there, Mom. That sounds terrible. And then Mom said, you don't have to go there. God's heart is grace to you. And if you will put your faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone, he will deliver you from your sin. He will forgive you of your sin and bring you into eternity, both here on this earth and forever in heaven with Jesus Christ. It was incredible. I was like, that's good news, Mom. She's like, yes, Man, I was only six years old, y'all, but stuff like that sticks. I heard it. I felt it. I believed it. And right then and there, I prayed a prayer with my mom that set me on a course throughout life to know and love and follow Jesus. City Light, do you remember when? Do you remember when Jesus called you, he claimed you, and he came for you? Do you remember when Jesus showed up and he saved you and restored you and redeemed you and transformed you and made you his own? What is your story? Later in Galatians 1, Paul tells his own story of when Jesus showed up and saved him. And previous to Jesus showing up, I mean, this Paul dude, he was a punk. He was a hater. He had studied the religious law in the Old Testament and jumped through these man-made hoops to become a leader in Judaism. And Paul himself was a troubler of the churches. He would persecute them. He would hurt them. He hated them. But then one day, out of the blue, Jesus showed up and literally blinded Paul and knocked him off his donkey and said, Hey, bro, you got to stop this. A little bit later, Jesus gave Paul his sight back. And when Paul got his sight back, when he opened his eyes, all he could see was Jesus. Jesus in his relationships, Jesus in his ministry, Jesus in his teaching, Jesus in his future, Jesus in everything. And when Paul tells his story, he intentionally highlights that it was Jesus and only Jesus who showed up to save him. It wasn't an apostle back in Jerusalem. It wasn't some church leader or his favorite podcast preacher who has a YouTube, YouTube channel, but it was Jesus, only Jesus. And hear this, the same is true today for you and for me. Please get this, City Light. City Light Church doesn't save you. Eric cannot save you, and I know that I am taller and stronger than he is, but I can't save you either. Your mom or dad, your brother or sister, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your grandma or grandpa, your husband or your wife, they can't save you. Only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus can save you. Your good works and good intentions aren't enough. They can't save you. Only Jesus can. Your good looks and your good track record won't cut it. They won't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Jesus plus nothing equals 
everything. That is the gospel. And Galatians, this is a big deal to Galatians. This is a big deal to Paul. In fact, it's such a big deal that in verse 6, he's writing to them and he's saying, guys, why would you ever walk away from this? Have you gone nuts? Are you crazy? Why are you walking away from the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Man, if anyone shows up and preaches to you anything other than only Jesus, then just let them go to hell. I'm serious. That's what he says. Let me just read it so you don't think it's preacher talk, okay? Verse 8, get this. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, which is that only Jesus saves, let him be accursed. And then he says it again in verse 9 to add emphasis. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, which is that only Jesus saves, let him be accursed. Paul is getting protective, right? Someone's messing with his kids and he won't have it. These troublers, these false gospels, these false teachers, they're sneaking in. And man, they're sneaky and they're subtle. But Paul's saying they're deadly. Watch out for them. Steer clear. Get away from them. So my question is, what are these troublers? Right? Maybe we don't have names and faces. But I think as we read through Galatians, we're going to pick up what these troublers are were saying, what they were teaching. And I think we're going to find, you can boil it down to two statements that these troublers would make. The first statement is this, Jesus plus something. Jesus plus something. So in our desire to be acceptable to God, in our need to be rescued, we get tempted to add something to Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is cool and Jesus is great, but we also need something else to please God. It's Jesus plus something. In the time of the Galatians, it was Jesus plus circumcision. If you don't know what circumcision is, just know it wasn't that pleasant of a surgical operation, okay? But there were these religious teachers who would show up, someone would come to faith in Christ, get baptized, and then they'd say, hey, that's really cool that you're following Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised. Jesus is great, but you also need this surgery. Jesus is great, but you also have to obey the law. And throughout history, there have been other religious leaders who always want to add something on to Jesus to convince us that we're really actually pleasing God. Things like you have to wear a certain kind of clothes, or you have to go on certain trips, or you have to worship on a certain day, or take communion a certain way, or act a certain way while you're in church, or give a certain amount of money, and their message is all the same. It's Jesus plus something. Yes, Jesus is good, and we need Jesus for sure, but if you're really going to make God happy, then you need Jesus plus something else. And what I've discovered is this Jesus plus something isn't just for weird churches and controlling religious leaders. Man, it's in me. It's in our hearts too. I remember when I first started believing Jesus plus something. And for me, that something was quiet times, right? Maybe you've heard of these if you've been a Christian for a while, but man, back in the 90s, it was like you had to have a quiet time every single day if you were gonna be a Christian, and my youth pastor had it boiled down to a science. It was a 15-minute 15 15 minute quiet time. 
You got to do three minutes of prayer, nine minutes of Bible study, and then another three more minutes of prayer. And so I wanted to please God. I wanted to make God happy. So I would try so hard to have a quiet time every day, but then if I missed a day, I was worried that God might be disappointed in me. Does God still love me? So the next day, I would have extra quiet times just in case. It's like if you miss a workout, the next day you do an extra 50 um, sit-ups just to like make up the difference, right? And so I do these extra quiet times, and slowly but surely, Jesus plus something crept in and then crowded out Jesus plus nothing. And it stole my joy. Any follower of Jesus can do this. We start out with this fresh sense of the grace that is in Christ Jesus, but then we miss a quiet time, or we say a cuss word, or we get mad at the kids, or we tell a lie, or whatever it is, and we begin to wonder, oh, wait, wait, does God still love me? We start out with this rock-solid confidence in Jesus and Jesus alone, but then time goes by and we think we're kind of doing a good job, and we look at our good deeds or our giving record or our internet history or our level of niceness, and we begin to think that whether those things are good or bad, well, then that's how God must view us as either good or bad. Do you see how sneaky this legalism thing is? Paul gets it because he's been there and he's done that. And if you've ever been caught up in legalism, if you've ever been around Jesus plus something, then you know just how exhausting, defeating, and destructive it is. Jesus plus something doesn't save us. It wrecks us. It robs us. And it leads us away from grace that it's in Christ Jesus, Jesus plus something. But there's another troubler that was happening in Galatians. You see, many people have picked up on this Jesus plus something legalism stuff. They've sniffed the smell of legalism, and they've walked away from this game that church leaders have made up over the years. They got tired of rules and heavy guilt and feeling shamed if they didn't give a certain amount of money. All the like religion and hypocrisy of so-called Christians has kind of pushed them away from this normal, beautiful Jesus thing. But then there's something in us that still wants to be good. We want to be good, and so we kind of build our own system, our own something. And because we live in the Midwest and probably had to go to church as kids, we usually sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in there. I'd call it something plus Jesus. That something might be giving to charity or being a really good family person. It's the husband who would never cheat on his wife or it's the wife who will never get mad at the kids. It's the dad who goes to all the games to support his kiddos or the mom who turns into a taxi to make a sacrifice to get all of her kids where they need to be. And it's all in the name of wanting to be good of wanting to please the big man upstairs, that God up in the sky, if, if he's there and if he's real. Your something might be being a good employee, a good student, a good teammate, a good citizen. It might mean not being a burden to society or not hurting others. And most of us, we, we never actually write it down, but we develop this system that tells us what is good and what is bad what is right, and what is wrong. And since we live in the middle 
um, in the Midwest and probably had to go to church as kids, we always tend to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in there. A little bit of take our kids to church. A little bit of say grace before meals. It's our something plus a little bit of Jesus. But Galatians says that doesn't work either. Something plus Jesus doesn't work. We've put our something, our system in the wrong place, and we've put Jesus in the wrong place. We've set both of them up for failure, and we've set our own selves up for disappointment. Something plus Jesus doesn't work. Now, I'm about to say what might be the most important part of this morning's message. What, if you really take it home, I think it could change your life this week. I'm going to not yell it. I'm just going to say it. If you'll listen this week, you'll probably begin to realize that these two ways of thinking dominate our culture. And actually, if you'll listen to yourself long enough, you will probably find yourself preaching one of these two things to yourself. So often, we believe either Jesus plus something, or we believe something, our something, plus Jesus. And I have a responsibility to tell you what Galatians says. Neither of them work. Both of them will exhaust you, defeat you, and in the end, they will fail you. And if I was really true to Galatians, I'd add this in there. If you find yourself believing Jesus plus something, then run. Run. Run from that false religion because it will kill your joy and lead you away from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And if you find yourself believing your own something, your own system with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in there, then run. Run. Run from your own false religion because it will steal your joy and it will lead you away from the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The good news of Galatians, the good news of the Bible is that God has made a way for us to please him. God has made a way for us to be good. God has made a way to deliver us from our faults and our failures and our sins. God can and God will save you, but he does it on his own terms. And his own terms are clear. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals pleasing to God. Jesus plus nothing equals being good. Jesus plus nothing equals satisfying life. Jesus plus nothing equals saved. Jesus plus nothing equals the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? And as we pray, let me just remind you, we are in no hurry. We have intentionally built this time into our gathering so that you right now can do business with God, so that you can talk to the Father. And as you pray, I just want to invite you to respond to this. I want you 
to let this land on you. And can I ask you a question? As you pray with your eyes closed and your head bowed, can you just ask this question? What is my something? Maybe you tend to believe Jesus and you love Jesus, but deep down it shows up in conflict. It shows up in relationships. shows up at work. You think you also have to do something else to make him happy. What is your something? Or maybe you've kind of pushed away from the church game and in some ways pushed away from Jesus, built your own system, your own something. You keep Jesus around. What is your something? And then my question for you this morning is, would you surrender that? Would you surrender your something so that at the end of the day, the end of the gathering this morning, all you got left is Jesus plus nothing. Could you put your faith, your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone and then see that change your life? My sense is there's some religious people who need to get saved. My guess is there's some church people who need to meet Jesus. And this morning, I want to invite you to respond to him. To lay down your church attendance and just trust him. Enjoy him. Lean into him. Oh, Father God, I pray right now that you would be lifting burdens off of people who are just loaded with guilt and shame. Because they've been told they got to do this, they got to do that, they got to do all these things to make you happy. And there's guilt, there's shame on them. And they've been playing a game, they've been hiding, they've been trying to pretend like it's not there. But would you just lift that guilt, lift that shame off of them as they trust Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And then, Father, I also pray that you would lower some people, that you would humble some people this morning who are really good at the church game, really good at the religion game, but they don't know you. They haven't trusted you. Would you help them to see that no amount of their good works is good enough? Only Jesus can save them. Only Jesus. Father, would you do it in your own miraculous way? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.